Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Please welcome my friend Corbin Huffman as he comes to deliver the word today. What is up, Simple Church? I think uh, you guys, hopefully you guys will be excited that I'm preaching well, but Aaron is definitely jacked up today, so he probably would have done a fantastic job as well. But hey, we are excited to be here. Um, again, my wife Sarah and I were planting in September, just a little over a month from here. Um, she's actually at home right now. We have two kids. We have a daughter who's going to turn three tomorrow, which is just hard to believe for me, but she's going to turn three tomorrow, so she's putting together a party that's going on later this afternoon. But I'm here for her. She, I know she's kind of sad that she's kind of missing this because we love Simple Church. We've been here probably, brought our team probably three times now just because the culture here is just incredible. You guys are authentic, you guys are real, and you guys have amazing pastors. Aaron's been a buddy of mine for a while, and just who he is is, is just so contagious, and we always want to, like, it just drives you right to him. And the same thing, too, with, uh, with Pastor Tim as well. I had a chance to connect with him. And you guys are just led by awesome leadership. So we hope to be, when we launch, we kind of hope to be look back and say, Simple Church is somewhat similar to what we were going to be. Like, we can look back there. You guys did this about a little over a year ago, so you kind of know all some of the exciting people and some of the exciting things that are going on with it. But we are just excited to reach people in Newark and just love people. And what we're called to do is love people to life change. And we believe life change is just that growing relationship with Jesus. So... We're pumped for that. I'm excited to be here, though, and to be a part of Simple Church. And just to jump in with you guys today, and we're actually going to continue, like you said, the Summer Concert Series. And if you couldn't tell by all the music that went on and the video and everything else and the fact I get to wear black all day long, which, yes. is, which is what I like. So we're going to talk about Johnny Cash and the song Walk the Line. And if you look at the term Walk the Line, it means to abide by the law or to abide by moral standards. It's to walk that straight path of decency, to follow the rules, to walk the straight and narrow. And if you look at this song, Johnny Cash actually wrote this song in 1956 in Gladewater, Texas. He was actually backstage. His career was just starting up at that time. He was newly married to a, a, his wife there, and he said he wrote this song as a pledge of devotion. And when you hear the word devotion, well, my mind automatically thinks, I grew up in church, I think about that 15 minutes in the morning, right? Or I'm reading or something. But devotion is so much more than that. Devotion is actually is defined as a love or loyalty or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. So I like music. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to play this song and all the lyrics on it. This is one of the songs where we can play most of the lyrics on there, and it's okay. It's okay to do on a Sunday morning. But when we listen to this song, I want you to think about this. While you're going through this, let me ask you, what are you devoted to? And we'll go ahead and play this song. Oh, 
But anyways, hey, with this song, a little background information. Like I said, he wrote this song for his first wife, Vivian. And the uh, fact that I said first wife obviously means that the walking the line portion was a hard thing for him, right? This song was actually his, his uh, first number one hit. It stayed number one for 43 weeks. And in the music business, if your uh, number one song is on there for 43 weeks in a row, turns out your career kind of rises up. So he was actually on the road for like 300 days out of that year. So his focus... And his devotion had kind of turned from his wife, a new wife. If, if anybody who's been newly married, you know that first year, you kind of actually should set aside time for that for the wife. It just makes sense. He didn't necessarily do that. His focus kind of turned elsewhere. It was more on his career and actually even turned towards drugs. And he became addicted to drugs during that time and depended on drugs. His focus was completely off. Cool into the story, though, just uh, even though his first marriage was ruined from that, he ended up rededicating his life to Christ in the early 1970s. He was able to overcome his addiction to drugs, and he actually became one of the most successful singers and songwriters of, of history. That's why we're talking about him 40 years later, on a Sunday morning, in a church even. So, but walking the line is a difficult task, and it's a daily decision. Focus is something that we have to think about and something that we have to do on purpose. It's not easy. And walking the line is not an easy task. In fact, research shows, for some reason, human beings cannot walk a straight line unless they're focused in on something. There was um, a study done by a German scientist way back when, many years ago, where they blindfolded people, and they had them walk and try to walk, and they said, walk in a straight line for an hour. And without fail, they never could. Now, I was going to do that this morning and blindfold some people and just see them stumble, but I figured that might not be the safest thing to do this morning. But again, this, without exception, people cannot walk in a straight line unless they're focused in on something. And the research, they continued to, to go over this research and even did animated research. And every single time, their path was either crooked or warped. In fact, the only way and the only, somehow only way that people can actually walk a straight line is if they focus in on something. Whether that's a building or a landmark or like a mountain. And it's, if you think about it, it's true. If we fix our eyes on something ahead of us, we can avoid our normal crooked course. For instance, I just mowed my lawn on Friday, which I hate mowing lawn, but I am kind of OCD, so my first line, I always want to have the, the straightest line. So what I do is I, I go in and I go to the telephone pole at the end of my property. Now, it's about three stripes over, so I'm actually not mowing all my property. My neighbor mows a little bit about that, but she probably won't listen to this podcast, so we're okay. <laughs> but we have to focus in on something to, to reach that. And the same thing is true with being a follower of Christ. If we call ourselves a disciple of Christ, but we're not actually focusing in on him, we're setting ourselves up for spiritual failure. 
It's more than just going through the motions. It's not about what we can do, but about, it's about what he's already done. And we need to focus in on that. See, we're only able to be a follower of Christ and a follower of Jesus because of his grace and our faith in that. If we start to add restrictions or if we start to add things that we need to do in order to follow Christ, our focus turns away from what he did for us, turns away from who he is, and then turns to what we're doing. It's by grace alone and through our faith alone. And when we focus on that, we can walk that line of obedience. Jesus is our salvation, which leads to obedience. And we're going to look at this. Jesus actually talked a little bit about walking the line in Matthew 16, verses 24. He says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. He says, Put aside your selfish ambition. Our selfish ambition is just the desires that we have that we naturally are in opposition to what God wants for us. It's the things that take our focus off of him. Instead of looking up to him, we look into what we can do. We look into what we have. And we take our eyes off of him. Another translation actually says we need to deny ourselves. Deny means starving our flesh, starving our sinful nature. It's that part of us that's pulling us away and pulling us opposite of Jesus. And the whole concept of denying leads to the next step that Jesus states here. He says, take up your cross. And the cross is an instrument of death, an instrument of torture, and an instrument of humiliation. The cross to them was a vivid picture to the disciples. They completely and fully understood it. They knew that when he said taking up your cross, that means that there was a chance that you could, we would die, and they had to die physically and possibly physically and spiritually. And the same thing is true for us. It means that our sinful way of life dies. And that Christ's new life lives in us. And it's a decision, again, that we have to make daily. It's a sacrifice that we need to make daily. And you think about this, the sacrifice is to give up something for the sake of something else that is so much better. So think through this. What is your cross? What is your place of greatest pain that you need to give up for Jesus to follow him? And that's the last thing he says the last part of this, uh, this verse, he says two of the most powerful words that anybody can say. Follow me. To be a Christian, we have to follow Jesus. We have to act the way that he acted. We have to speak the way that he spoke. We have to love the way that he loved. We need to embrace God's will no matter what the cost. Sometimes we think God has something for us and we look at him like, man, that could be kind of hard. But think... Jesus was perfect. God's will for him was to die on a cross for us. We need to embrace God's will no matter what the cost. And to follow somebody, they actually have to be in front of us. And we have to be looking at them. We need to be watching where they're going. Is Jesus in front of you? Are you watching where he's going? Or are you just inviting him to go where you go? The spiritual potential of your life is directly related to your willingness to narrow your focus on Christ. So we're going to look at five practical ways of how we can stay focused on Christ. And the first way is with humility. 
See, I believe it's normal for us to take pride in what we do. And as Christians, we might even be doing the right things. We might be saying the right things. We might be saying the right words. We might be serving the right way, right? We might be doing everything right. But if it can become unhealthy if we hold on to all our actions and what we do too tightly. When we tie our identity up into what we are doing and not who we are following, we lose our focus. What is your identity tied to in your walk with God? Are you just going through the motions? And think about it even in other aspects of your life. What is your identity tied to in your family life? When you're cheering for your child at the Little League game, are you cheering for their last name or are you cheering for their first name? What is your identity tied up to in your work life? Are you focusing on what you are doing or why, or even more importantly, who you're doing it for? See, humility is the modest opinions of one's own importance or rank. It recognizes how inadequate we are by ourselves. In James 4.10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. People who are not humble think they know everything. No one can correct them, and they believe that they have the answers to everything, right? We've all been around these people. You can't speak into their life. And if we can't speak into their life, God can't speak into our life either if we're not humble. We need to have a clear understanding of who we are. We need to know what brings us closer to God and what we can do best for Him. Sometimes we need to eliminate what we can do well for the sake of what we can potentially do best, which means we need to humble ourselves and realize that we're not great at every single thing in life. God has a plan and a purpose for us, and we need to seek after that and humble ourselves in all the other areas. To remain focused, we have to be humble. We have to have humility. The second thing is simplicity, and this is a tough one, especially in our culture. See, I think we live mismanaged lifestyles that often lead towards complexity, And complexity is often even praised in our culture, right? We have this tendency to to drift towards complexity. And it's something about complexity that blinds us over time because we don't see it happening to our lives. The drift is subtle. It's unintentional. But that next thing you know, your lives are completely complex and you don't have time, money, and you're running out of resources for the things that God has planned for you. Our schedules are packed. We continue to add items into our life without ever subtracting. Whether it's household items, we've all seen the show Hoarders. It doesn't just show up that day, right? It continually comes in, and we don't never subtract anything that goes out. Could be our calendar items, where we have our schedule is completely packed, where we don't have time just to sit down and have dinner with our family. We don't have time to spend time really listening and focusing in on God. Maybe it could be our finances. We continue to add bills, continue to add debt. And next thing you know, at the end of the month, we say our, our finances are tight. But really what they are, they're complex because we made them that way. Where are you? Are you able to follow Jesus in your schedule? Or is it too complex? Do you have money budgeted for your tithes, for giving, for helping other people out? Or are your finances too tight? Are they too complex? Are your possessions controlling your house and taking over everything? We need to set boundaries in our life to create simplicity. We have a little rule at our house, and I pretty much built it in. But the rule is, if something comes in, something must go out. 
Now, this rule is built because we have two dangerous vehicles. We have a truck and a minivan. Now, you're thinking, well, that doesn't seem too dangerous. They don't go too fast, especially if you saw our truck and minivan. They're a little bit older in the years. But the reason they're dangerous is because of the amount of stuff they can hold. And now my wife, she's not here so I can talk a little bit about her. My (laughs) wife, she'll drive down the road, and there's always stuff on the side of the road. Like, you look at that. To me, I see trash. To my wife, she sees a project. She sees a treasure. She sees, hey, that would look good in this room. And if I'm not with her, that looks good on the side of the curb and looks good in the back of our truck. Then all of a sudden, it's in our house. So we made a rule that if something comes in, something must go out. We did break that rule with kids. Like I said, we have two kids. Once our son came in, we're like, you know what? We could probably keep our daughter and we'll be all right. But I think we need to be intentional about creating simplicity in our lives. And living simply just means that we carefully examine what it means to fully live. We focus our efforts on the things that are true, on the things that are essential. We make time for faith. We make time for family. We make time for our health, our friends, our church, and our community. What are you focused on? Would you characterize your life as simple or complex? See, I think the devil has made his business to monopolize in three elements. Noise, hurry, and crowds. Satan is quite aware of the power of simplicity. Again, our culture demands us to be busy. People brag about, oh, I was busy this week. But we need to stay focused and be simple. And Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own devising. Our issues that we have, the reason we don't have time, are because of the decisions we make. If all your activity and complexity isn't taking you where you want to go, then it's just wasted time. So I'm going to give you a word, and it seems kind of weird that I'm talking about simplicity to simple church, but I'm going to give you a word that can be so freeing to you. And the word is no. And then let me tell you, it's actually okay to say no in some areas of your life. Third way we stay focused on God, and it seems kind of like a no-brainer, but it's with faith. Faith it just means to have trust or assurance, to have confidence or conviction. It's the belief and the reliance in what God says. It's that trust that produces actions. And it's walking, with, it's walking with Jesus and doing this thing called life with open hands. See, when we're clinging to what we have, when we're walking with closed hands, we're focusing in on what's in our hands and not on who's providing what's coming. And God has so much more for us We need to live a life walking with open hands, a life of faith. We need to trust God, which means sometimes making risky decisions. For me, that meant planting a church. That's a crazy decision. For some of you, that could mean just talking to a stranger. That could be reconnecting with a family member. But God has risky decisions for us because he wants us to invite him in. He wants us to invite him in the decisions and the plans that we have. He wants to be a part of our life. Oftentimes, having faith means that we're making choices for our life for what could be best, even when what we're doing is currently working. 
Sometimes we need to give up what we can do well for what God can do better. We need to give up the good in order to get the great. Matthew 19.26 says, With God, everything is possible. Why don't we invite him in? Why do we limit ourselves so many times? We need to believe even when we don't see the end results. We need to obey even when we don't understand. We need to persist on even when we don't feel like it. And we need to trust even if we, when we don't fully grasp the situation we're in. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The law of faith is the greatest law in the word of God. Augustine says, Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. The law of faith is the greatest law in the word of God. And to remain focused on Jesus, we need to have faith in him. The fourth thing is with love. 1 Corinthians 13.1, it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, but have not love, I am nothing. The more spiritual you become, the more love you will show others. And sometimes, and somehow, I think we miss this. I'll be honest, some of the meanest people I've ever met call themselves Christians. I'll be even more honest. Sometimes I have been extremely mean, and sometimes I can be extremely mean. I think there's two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one is they've never met one. And number two is that they have met one. I think far too often we do not act in love. Think about it. We as Christians, we fight and argue about the dumbest things. We debate and think that that's going to solve the world's problems. We're often too judgmental. We look at people and all of a sudden something clicks on our head that we're better than them. We often act holier than thou. We're incredibly condescending. Now you guys all feel really good about yourselves. But think about that. Is that really love? Of course not. Love takes no account for the evil done to it. Love doesn't filter through a current emotional state. Love doesn't screen things through past hurts or offenses. Instead, love shows grace and forgiveness. And it's the very same grace and forgiveness that Jesus showed us. Showed us why we're sinners. He died on a cross for us. Took all of our shame and all of our sin upon his back and died for a cross, on a cross for us and then rose again. Love believes the best in every person. And when I'm talking love, I'm not talking about the natural human love where it requires a person to prove themselves before the love is given. But I'm talking about that Christ-like love that's given to both of those who are lovable and unlovable. Instead of assuming the worst, love tirelessly looks for the best in others. And true love hopes in all things and lives with an expectant faith towards others. To be a Christian to stay focused, we must have love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Make love your greatest aim. 
And we can do that by accepting others unconditionally. By encouraging others continually. By serving people cheerfully. And by forgiving others freely. Let me ask you, how are you doing? How accepting are you? What is the last encouraging word that you've spoken? Are you using your abilities to serve? Or are you holding on to any unforgiveness? That's your love gauge right there. To stay focused on Christ, we have to have love. And the last thing is with priority. Priority is something that we give special attention to. Think about this. What are your priorities? I believe this. Many of us weaken our potential by investing too much time in the areas of our lives where we have the least potential. Simply put, we try to do too much. And the result is instead of being strong somewhere, we're weak everywhere. Devoting a little of yourself to everything means committing a great deal of yourself to nothing. We spread ourselves to sin. And if Satan can't make you sin, the chances are he's going to make you busy. The chances are he's going to mess up your priorities. So let me challenge you with this. Don't confuse activity with results. Don't sacrifice your long-term growth for short-term progress. We need to have our priorities right in life. And often, we need to do less to grow more. Doing more often only leads to, to frustration and burnout. And I'm sure you've all been there. I'm even going to talk in a spiritual realm here too. Sometimes we can be spiritually frustrated. And just to be honest with you, it happens to all of us. And our first reaction when we become spiritually frustrated, we feel like maybe we're doing the right things. Maybe we're spending time with God. Maybe we're spending time in, the prayer, in prayer, in the Bible, and in worship. But we still feel like we're hitting a dry spell. So our natural reaction is to do more. Naturally, we just want to spend more time in prayer. We want to spend more time in the Bible, more time in worship. And those things aren't bad. But what really God wants us to focus in on is Him, not the motions. God wants to be our priority, not the things leading up to Him. I love this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. It says, I can get more out of God by believing in Him for one minute than I can by shouting at Him all night. What's he saying? He's saying, shut up. Sit back and let God be God. Oftentimes our priorities are so messed up that they lead us to frustration. But we need to understand our priorities. We need to understand that our relationship with God is about knowing Him and focusing in on Him. In Matthew 10, 39, it says, If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. See, we're designed to have a relationship with God. And we're designed to enjoy Him. When we, forget this perp- when we forget this purpose, our world often seems like it's collapsing. We lose our focus, and we're not walking the line. We lose our impact for Jesus, 
and we lose our purpose for ourselves. Think about this. Focus is why a river has more force than a swamp. It has a direction. Focus is the reason you can do surgery with a laser and not a flashlight. Where are you at today? How's your focus? Maybe you're here today and your focus is off. Maybe it's always been off. Maybe you've never walked the line with Jesus, or maybe you haven't, and you know you're not walking that line anymore. I want to give you a chance to make that choice, to walk the line. I want to give you that opportunity. And we're going to make it simple. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and God is asking you to walk the line by starting a relationship with him, I want to pray with you just at your seat. And I'm going to count to three. One, with everybody's eyes closed and head bowed. Two, God is asking you to walk the line by starting a relationship with him. Three, raise your hand. See that hand? See those hands? See those hands all across this place? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer, but I want everybody to pray. There's a number of hands that were raised, but I think as a unit together, we can all pray this prayer together just to support them in this decision that they've made. So if you would, repeat after me. Dearly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. Help me to walk away from my sins and walk the line for you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. And thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.